So excited to have everyone in the house of the Lord tonight, and uh, we have a wedding this weekend. So, Mac, your parents are here. So, welcome, welcome. And uh, we have Brooklyn and Colin, man, and they're going to be joining us this summer. Brooklyn joins us has in the past every summer because this is home. Well, they're going to join us this summer, and they're going to be helping out and working and and uh, um, participating as far as, as, as a part of school. So we are looking forward to that. Our children may be dismissed. Head, head this way. Our youth, we have youth tonight. All right, our youth can head out. And then we have ladies, all ladies. We are doing a session. I think you're down here at the, the end room tonight. So if you want to head out to your session. The rest of you may be seated. And you are here with me. Oh, and we have a baptism tonight. So I am excited. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, there is, I always think of Alex, Sister Alex, when she was baptized. And she cried out, I've never felt this way before. Um, and as she folded over, and, and the joy of what happens when God comes in your life and just takes all those sins and washes them away. It just, it's, it's beautiful. Um, there's nothing else out there like it. And when we get a hold of Jesus. Um, you know, in heaven it says that the angels re rejoice when one repents. And here I get all excited when I have somebody gets filled with the Spirit or, or when somebody's baptized in Jesus' name. But the angels in heaven rejoice when you just begin to say, God, I'm not going to do that anymore, whatever that is. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to obey you. God, I need your help. And so the angels rejoice when one... And, and so I want to rejoice when one returns to God. I want to rejoice. It's, that, that's important, church. It's a meaningful thing when somebody says, okay, you know what? I am stopping sinning. I'm stopping sinning, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm just going to get a hold of God. It could have been someone who had been in church for a really long time. They grew up in this thing. And then they get down, and they say, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get back to God. I messed up. And you can rejoice. Instead of being like, well, about time. You know what? They grew up in this thing. No. Because each and every one of us have been there, and each and every one of us have messed up. Well, I would like you to turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 20. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. And I want to, to my title tonight is, While I Was Praying, While I Was Praying. Verse 20 says, Now while I was speaking praying and confessing my sin in the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused 
to fly swiftly reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Jesus, speak to us tonight. God, speak into our lives and heart. We want to draw closer to you. We want to draw closer to you in prayer and relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I think this is a per- very powerful verse here, and I read it in the New King James Version. But th- this whole passage, and I'm going to spend time here tonight in Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to look at this prayer of Daniel. But there's something that, that gets a hold of me as I read through this prayer. I begin to want to cry and to connect with God, and I, and I begin to feel conviction. And, and I really wasn't certain totally if it, God is this conviction or is this just a draw because, oh God, I just want to get down and I want to pray. I want to pray. Last week we talked about it being a personal relationship, a, a personal prayer. Um, and we started out in the book of Genesis and we talked about how God desired to have relationship with people. Visiting with Sister Nancy Canales afterwards, we we talked about this some more, um, and it was very impactful to me that before man ever sought God, God sought man. God came looking. And so if you've ever felt like, hey, you know what, does God hear me? Or, oh, I need to get down in prayer because hopefully God will answer me. Prayer first began with God. God's the one that wanted to be in relationship. God's the one that made mankind. God's the one that formed him in his image. Think about that. You're like, God, would you move in my situation? And God's like, hey, I want you involved in my situation. I've got creation out here, and I'm going to put my personality in you. I'm going to put my characteristics in you. I'm going to put the desire to create in you. I'm going to put this desire for love and relationship. I'm going to put it in the very fiber of your being. You know, all those things that we have, desire for relationship and love and, and connection and forgiveness and mercy and, and even anger, those things come from the characteristics of God. They've just been tainted and messed up by sin. And so when we use them in their improper order, when we use them wrong, that, that's where sin comes in. But when you are like... Oh, the Bible says be angry and sin not. Be slow to anger. I'm not promoting anger tonight. Hear me, hear me. But Jesus, when he walked in the temple and he saw things, he was like, wait a second. What have you done to this house of prayer? And so when you feel frustrated by something and you look around in the condition of your world and you say something has to happen, God's saying something has to happen. And when you feel love and, and you have that desire to be in relationship, God has love and mercy and desires to be in relationship. And so God wanted to be in connection with people. So I've asked myself, you know, why do you pray? Why do you pray? You would think that if I just had a good desire, a good intention in my heart, you know, God knows the desires of your heart. And God sometimes gives the desires of your heart. I've been talking about my dog a lot lately. I have a little dog at home. And a few months before we got this dog, um, there had been fussing in my home about why we needed a dog. 
in little London wanted a little white dog, had to be hyperallergenic, it needed to be this little thing, and I said, those are yippy dogs, and they're loud, and they're noisy, and, and I can't afford that dog. And so God gave us that dog a couple months later. We got contacted. Hey, there's a dog. A man, a man has this dog, and he bought this dog, and it's a puppy, and he decides he can't have the dog, and he wants a family that has children that would take this dog. And so God gave us this dog, and it was exactly the dog that London wanted. And so God was like, you know what, I'm going to do that. And so every time I'll be like, London, you know that dog you wanted? I didn't get that dog. I told you you couldn't have that dog. I said, we are not buying that dog. But I said I wanted a bigger dog. I even showed them the dog I wanted. And God said, you know what, I've given you a lot of things, Lucas, and this time, not only are you not getting that dog, I'm going to give you the dog that you need. And so I have a dog. And this dog, I told you, he loves me. And he dances. And, uh, uh, and Joey sent me a picture or a video last week of his dog not quite dancing the same way. Um, so not every dog does the exact same thing. But God knows the desires of your heart. And he hears them. And I just want you to know, church, each and every one of you, God loves you so deeply. And he sees the things. It's time for you to start recognizing that he's seen the, the wants and desires in your life. And they are, don't have to be something big and major where you're like, God, I need some transformational thing and I wish he would do this. But God is very active in your life. I, I thought of another testimony of desire and it was um, my dad. My dad had his own business. My dad uh, worked on houses. He did some carpentry work and he also would get together with his dad and they would build houses. But a piece of paper came in the mail one day, and this is in the 80s, and this is when computers looked like a sewing machine. And they were called laptops. Um, they were this big. And so he, would, um, so he opened up this piece of paper, and it talked about computers, and it had a community college, and he said, huh, no, God, I think I would like to do that. And he laid it down. And he was like, I have no way to get there. I have no way to pay for that. I, and, that and he just put it down. And not long after that, Grandma showed up to the house, and Grandma said, Hey, Lair, I think I'm going to go back to school. She'd never been to get a college degree of any type. She said, And I would like, I'm going to go do some testing, and would you ride up with me? And so he rides up, and the school says, he, he took the test, and they came out, and they said to her, He's really great, and we think he's a perfect fit for computers. And we got a program that will pay for it. And Dad's like, Well, how am I going to get there? And Grandma says, I'll drive you. And so for two years, Grandma provided the transportation and the school provided the education because he looked at a piece of paper and said, you know what, God, I think I would like to do that. And today I'm an electrical engineer and I went to a four-year school because a man sat there and God says, I'm going to do that for you. And, you know, that was important to my family. But on the other hand, I look over and, and, and I think the dog's important as well. But, but God says, you know, I'm going to do that. There's been times where I pulled into work in the downpour of a rain. And I've walked in the downpours before. But I go to get out of my car and I'm like, man, that rain just kind of subsided. Thank you, God, for being so kind to let me walk into work and not get soaked today. And if you think, what in the world, I am telling you without a doubt that God holds back the reins. God puts you through a storm. We drove through a storm this weekend. Now, my wife, I had earbuds in, so I didn't hear her very well. She was praying like crazy. But I'm telling you, the, wind, the, 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 the rain didn't wipe out my windshield. I could see very well. And, and when uh, Alex looked at 
looked at the radar, it was like we were going through a little wall in between it. And I had a semi in front of me that said Trump 2020. You know what I said? I'm staying on Trump 2020. And that is not a political statement. Not a political statement. <laughs> I was just, that was my mind. I'm getting through this. And later on when I looked at my phone, I saw a tornado alert that was in the area. God looked out for his people. God knows what you need and he's very active in your life. So if God cares about you, it's time for you to care about God. And it's time for you to, to put to, to, to bed the nonsense of does God even care and does He even want to hear about me? Does He care about what I'm praying? Because if God looks at the little desires in your heart or is fully aware of your situation, then I think He wants to hear your, your words. And that is prayer. So you say, well, if God knows the desires of my heart, and I, I was writing this down, I thought, well, why do I need to voice it? And I thought these examples of desire from London and my dad would be great. And then I realized they both had voiced their desire. <laughs> they both had voiced it. But no matter if, you, if you're looking at those examples or not, you'd say, why do I need to pray? It's because what's in the heart, God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's the Word. But Jesus told us, and He gave us a parable in Luke chapter 18, verse 11, and He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus told us that we need to pray. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. We need to pray. We are instructed to pray. So why would that be? Well, there's a lot of things that go on in the heart. And I know Jesus told us, hey, if you think something, that's as if you're doing it. If you think to do a sin, and Jesus took it to that level. But I'm telling you tonight that you can have a thought cross into your mind, but you do not need to put action to it. The person who thought of some great crime, such as robbing a store, until they actually go out and rob the store, they have an opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's different than the whole lusting in your heart and thinking terrible about somebody. And Jesus is saying, hey, we need to go and address that, those thoughts too. But when, but when you say, you know what, I'm not going to put something into action. That's the same with thoughts that fly over your mind. You can either choose to own them and possess them and, and begin to let it turn into you into something in bitterness, or you can say, no, I'm not going to possess that thought. And you can push that away from you. And so a person who thinks about having a great business doesn't have a great business until they start putting it into action. And a person who thinks they would like God to move isn't truly saying, God, I want you to move until you say, God, I want you to move. There's a lot. Oh, and Paul wrote here, I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. What is he saying? He's saying, I got a whole bunch of men out there who see the problems in their world and they're doing nothing about it. They see the condition of humanity. They see the situations in their home. You know, I can think all day long, I wish my children would behave. Or that I could fix this struggle, and I'm making up things now. Oh, no, I do wish my children would behave. But, 
but I could have a problem in my marriage, you know, and, and I could think that I want to have it all day long, but until I decide I'm going to do something, I'm going to go to my wife, I'm going to talk to her about it, I'm going to give her loving words, I'm going to say, hey, this really bothered me. Until I decide I'm going to do something, it's just a thought. And while as Jesus has been so kind to, to do things with some thoughts that we've had, He is calling on you to pray. Why, if anybody else in your life you would communicate with them, if you truly wanted something, won't you communicate with God? You know, I wanted a raise one time. Actually, I had got a raise, and I was very proud of my raise. I was very proud of my raise. I was a, a 16, 17, and I was detasseling corn, so if anybody knows anything about that. Um, I also thought I was pretty cool because I could stay out in those gross fields. I don't think anybody envied me, so I don't know why I thought I was cool. But, um, but you know, I'd wear myself out, and my boss came and told me I was a great guy, and he gave me a raise. And then come around Monday, some other guys came back to work that had quit, and I heard him talking, and he had given them a bigger raise. And I thought, man, why did these guys get a raise that's better than mine if he said I was so good? And it bothered me so much. And you know what? He did not give me a greater raise because I walked down the field and it bothered me. Nothing happened. I walked up and down those fields and the more I thought about it, the more upset I got. And suddenly my feeling very good on Friday didn't feel very good come Monday. And I was just upset now. By the way, God gives you blessings in your life and he works in your life and he may work something different in somebody else's life. God's working with you. So not only do I want you to be um, thankful and grateful for what God did for you because he knows what you need best, but if you're struggling with it, just go to him and talk to him. So as I walked down that field and, and, and I was bugged by it, I said, you know what, this doesn't do me any good to think this. So I went to the boss. I said, hey, boss, uh, do I do good work? He said, oh, yeah, you do great work. I said, do I work as good as those guys? He said, oh, yes. I said, can I get paid what those guys get paid? And then he smiled, and he paused, and he said, yes, you can get what those guys get paid. And I want you to know today, it would never have happened unless I had been in relationship. Where What had he told me previously? You're what I want you to be. You're doing a great job. He had communicated with me. He said, I want you to work for me. Well, how much more our Heavenly Father that has come, and Sister Karen, he said, I want you to work for me. I've called you. I've been in your life since you was a child. So when you look over at somebody else and you're thinking, what about my situation? You know what? God may not give you what He gave them, but you can go to Him and say, but what about me over here? You told me that you wanted me. You told me that you loved me. And He can communicate back with you. It's relationship. It's prayer. You know, I don't call it prayer when I talk to my wife. I don't call it prayer when I talk to Bishop. I suppose if we were in some King James Version language, we might say, I pray thee that thou wouldest come eat lunch with me. Please do not do that to me. Unless we're really joking. Um, but and so we all of a sudden get intimidated by this notion of prayer. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get down and pray. And, and, and then we, and there's, there's different uh, uh, positions to prayer. Laying on your face before the Lord, standing up and praying, kneeling down before Him. And those things in the physical represent what you're doing in the spiritual as you submit yourself to God, as you acknowledge how great He is, as you stand up and communicate with Him. But sometimes in our mind, I think that we get the notion that we're doing something 
um, that's, oh, how do I say it? It's, it's, a, um, it's a ritualistic thing. It's some sort of, we adopted some sanct- er, sacred deal. That is the way that the world has worshipped their false gods. Why? Because their god wasn't real. And so you build a temple and you go and you do things like, like, like you, you would toss out your incense or you, you would do your certain motions. And yes, the children of Israel, there was a process and a plan. But that process and a plan was to bring them into relationship with God as close as He could possibly get to them. But when God tore the veil in two and He came to live in your hearts, He's let you know that you can come boldly before the throne of grace. We talked about that last week as well. And so he wants you to be in relationship with him. So those motions that you do aren't because you're just fulfilling some sort of some ritual, but you're coming before your creator, your God, the lover of your soul. He's our father in creation. He's our brother in that he went to the cross and he died for us and was the first to rise again. But ultimately... He wants to be in that husband-wife relationship is how it's described. You're the bride of Christ and he wants to be in daily with you. You know, people, they, they leave their, their parents and they go into a, um, they get married and they go off and they go into a new home. I don't live with my parents today. They're very happy about that. Um, in fact, when I moved out, my mom said I was going to tell you it's about time for you to move out. And so I was like, ouch. Uh, I don't think she's watching tonight. Um, <laughs> but... Um, and I could go back to biblical times and talk about their setups and how they would add rooms onto the house. But it's meant to go off. Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Um, children, we raise them and they move off. And we're the children of the Lord and he's our father. Brothers and sisters, they grow up together. They stay connected throughout life, but they build their own families. But husbands and wife, it's every day. Every day, every day, until death do us part. And Jesus wants that relationship with you. He wants to go from just being your provider and your father. He wants to go from being your, your, your um, brother in Christ. And, and he wants to be that relationship like a husband and wife. And this is for eternity. And that's why he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Behold, I am with you always. Behold, I'm with you always. Jesus told us the heart matters. He alluded, or he talked about this when he talked about, hey, it's not what goes into the body, but what comes out. And he was talking about sin and wickedness in the heart. But that same principle applies because when you have something in here that you need to see happen, you need to let it out. You need to bring it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Are we encumbered with the load of care? I try to sing or do these songs and I don't do very well, so I think I'll let that go, but it's take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We need to get on our knee and we need to come to Him. We need to come to Him. And so we come back to Daniel Daniel chapter 9. As I look at Daniel chapter 9 here, it starts out and we're going to wander down through through verse 19 or 20 here, but 
Daniel chapter 9, it says, In the year of King Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the books by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. I am not going to go through prophecy tonight. That's not what I'm talking about. But Daniel here says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplication. What I see right here is Daniel, and I like to, to call it uh, uh, um, oh, the, the Assyrian University or the University of Babylon. But Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been taken into captivity and they had been put into the greatest training by the king, King's, King's University. And and that just lets you know that you can be in the, the universities and the schools of this world and you can take a stand for God and you don't have to shovel the Bible and what God has taught you out the door. Because he was in the pagan land who said, hey, you know what, we took the goods from your God's house and we put it in our place and we're showing you just who we are. And yet Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, unlike the children of Israel who were delivered out of Egypt but couldn't get Egypt out of their heart, they said, you might have brought me out of, out of the land of God, you might have brought me out of Jerusalem, but you can't take God out of my heart. Somebody needs to get in their mind, just like the Apostle Paul and like Peter in prison, that you might have me in these chains, but you can't take away my worship. You can't take away the knowledge that God is in control, and I'm not going to bow my knee to your ideologies. You will not make me submit. You cannot do that. And so he is in Kingsway University, and and. Daniel continues to live for God. They did it wisely. They didn't sit down and have an have a, uh, extended fast where they were going to go ahead and show the king that if you don't let us eat the beans that we want, we're going to starve ourselves to death. They didn't do it that way. They saved fasting for getting a hold of God. And so they went and they said, hey, you know what? Uh, hey, can we work it out this way? And they used wisdom and they used relationship that they built. And as a result, they were a testimony to people. And I'm going to have to get off of this because this will teach and preach right here. But um, they used wisdom and understanding in their moment to say, hey, we want to go ahead and do this. And in being obedient toward, to God in the middle of their situation that God allowed them to be in, furthermore, that God delivered them into... And this fits with what Daniel prays. God was going ahead and he's saying it's time to punish the land of Israel. And these people who took a stand for God went through the same struggle with the rest of them. And they were taken into bondage with the rest of them. But I live for God, not because what He made me go through, but because of who He is. And I know that He loves me and He's still with me. And you know the world's going through some things right now. And I'm paying a lot for gas. <laughs> and you're paying a lot for gas. And I'm glad I'm here and not in Ukraine. <laughs> because those guys are going through a whole lot of trouble right now. And I'm thankful, Lord, you know what, I can pay some more for gas. But this world is going to see much worse unfold. We went through a lot with coronavirus. And we went through a lot with, with, with the, uh, the uh, protests and the, the things that went on in this country. And, and the turmoil and the chaos. And... And there's a lot more that's going to come. 
But God is going to be with you when the Egypt goes through the plagues. When struggle comes, God is going to be with you. So go ahead, don't walk out on Him and say, well, why not? Why didn't you do this for me? You see, Daniel had a commitment to God. And that's why you found him these years later in the Word. And he's studying the Word. And he's a slave in the land. He's a captive in the land. But God's promoted him. And he served under two great empires. And yet he, he served under two great empires and had all sorts of authority even though he was a captive. But he would not walk out on God. And so he's studying the Word. And as he studies here, it moves me because this man, Daniel, who the Bible writes about so greatly, and, and you see him written about when they come back into the land, when you read Nehemiah and Ezra, and you see Daniel referenced. And yet, we see Daniel here. And he's reading the Word. And as he reads the Word, he says, I set my face towards the Lord to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, These people are a horrible people and they got me into bondage and look what they've done to me. Is that what Daniel said? Did Daniel say, Lord, now I understand why all these people out here have sinned and, and what they've done and Lord, I'm asking you to have mercy on their behalf and what can I do to help you, God? Daniel, who gave us some of the greatest visions about the end times. Is that what he said? No. That's not what Daniel did. I, I see him here, and he's been studying the Word, and, and he's reaching out to God, and, and he's connecting. And when he reads the Word, Daniel, we see a couple things. One, he had a hunger, and he had a desire. And he came to God, and when he saw the Scripture, he wanted to know and to understand. He desired, and he got a hold of God. But he was also willing to, to take this condition and apply it to himself. And he said, O oh Lord, great and awesome, who keeps covenant keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandment, we have sinned and committed iniquity. He made it personal. He said, we have sinned. Oh, something got a hold of Daniel. I, I think we can learn from Daniel's prayer here tonight. And I have a number of points that I'm, I'm going to highlight on it. First off, I've already told you Daniel had a commitment to God. And then I referenced here he had this hunger and desire. Church, we need to hunger and desire God. I've told you a lot tonight and last week that God desires to be in relationship with you and you should desire Him. But there's something as we go through this prayer that grips me because I see Daniel over here. And I wondered what kind of time he took off from work. Daniel, go ahead and say, you know what, Keen, I, I need the next week off. I need the next month off. I've got a lot of fasting and prayer to do. There, there's something I've read here, God, or Keen, and I, I want, want to learn more about it, so I need some time away here. Uh, but he would get down and he would read and he's studying and, and he's hungry. And then he sees and he wants to know. And he begins to implore God. 
You know, Daniel was a man that didn't give up when he sought God's face. And Jesus told us that we need to ask, seek, and knock. If you know that your heavenly Father loves you, and He wants to give you good gifts, and yet when you approach things that are difficult and hard, sometimes it just takes some work and you need to get down to business. Each one of you parents would tell your student, or your kids, your students, that they need to work through their homework problem, that they need to not give up. If any of you started a business, you know that things might be great today, but you need to persist, and you need to not give up. There's some things going on in our world, and I just want you to know that God has persisted and not given up on people, and He's saying, I need you to persist and not give up on the situation, on the condition, and on the world. So when you get down to pray, if you said a couple, three words, and you're like, well, nothing happened there. No, he's saying persist in prayer. Get down. Be desirous. we got a job to do. we got work to do. And so Daniel gets down with the Word, and he puts on sackcloth, and he puts on ashes, and, and he's, he's desperate. And he says, okay, we have sinned. He saw his condition. He examined himself against the word. Dan, why did Dan, Daniel, every time I read this, I'm like, why did Daniel have to do that? Oh, he was the good kid in the class. There was nobody seeing Daniel pray but God. And God knows if you're pretentious in your heart. Daniel was not pretentious. Daniel wasn't being, oh, you know, this is going to be great. I'm going to be like the guy who went and, and said, oh, Lord. And, and No, Daniel was all alone. And he says, God, we've sinned. He, he saw his humanity. And he said, we have sinned. We've sinned. We've sinned. We need to stop looking at other folks around us. And when you see their condition, see your condition as well. See your condition. And so I would like to have put the word there, the willingness to see his condition. I'd like to have put humility. Except Daniel had the humility to own his condition and the condition of the people. The condition of the people. He had the humility to say, not just to, to examine himself. Yes, that's humility but he had the humility to say, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even departing from your precepts and judgments. I, I like this prayer right here. I like the format of this prayer. Because after we get past the point where Daniel was hungry, Daniel had humility, Daniel was willingness to examine himself, we see his approach. And what was his approach? First off, he, besides he came with humility, that he came, and that he came with humility, we now see him open up in prayer. And what's the first thing he did here? Well, last week I told you you can be frustrated and you can express your frustrations to God, and you should. And I talked about one-third of these psalms and being of laments and, and reaching out and saying, why, God, why? But I told you that all except for one psalm, there's always an acknowledgement of God. And so why did God get on to um, Job, but he didn't come here at uh, David, and David was a man after God's own heart? Because he lay, put God in his proper position. And right away I see that Daniel puts God in position. He tells him, he says, Oh Lord, great and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. It's like, ah, God, You are great and mighty and You love and You have mercy on those who keep Your 
commandments. He's saying, this is who you are. And then he says, ah, but we have sinned and committed iniquity. We've done this. We've walked out on you. So he put God here, and then he said, you know what, I don't line up with the book. Mm. We need to go ahead and be honest. Instead of saying, well, but, but, but I didn't mean to. Oh, I'm so tired of saying, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. You know what? We all have fallen into sin. We were tempted and we were drawn away. No, you maybe weren't doing something malicious. But go ahead and say, God, I messed up. I had no business being there. I shouldn't have put that movie on. I should have looked better. I should have kept my mouth shut. God, I know I was frustrated and angry. But Lord, what I said was wrong. We need to go ahead and, and be willing to be humble before God and see ourselves in the light of His Word. Repentance will make you greater in God. Because when you will willing to be broken on Him, then He can build you up. But if God has to come and fall on you, then He will break you. Oh, hear me. Go ahead and be broken before God so that the stone doesn't have to crush you. Go ahead, fall on Jesus. See yourself in the Word. Ask God to examine your heart because He's the only one who truly knows the heart. He tells him, he says, your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people. Oh Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but shame to us. But shame to us. He elevates God and he lowers himself. I see this here. He says, oh Lord, to us belongs shame of face to our kings and our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Ah. You know, I, I thought about this right here, and I thought, Lord, how, how, do I, how do I pray? See, Daniel was talking about the people of God. And so I thought, well, do I, do I look across churchdom? Do I look across Christendom? Do I look a lot across Pentecostalism? Do I look across apostolicism? Do I look across people who are filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and, and then see their condition? Is that, is that equate to that God? And do I do them be broken for them? You know, the scripture, if I, my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. What's well, it, my people called by my name? So we do need to pray for the church. We really need to pray for the church because there's going to be a great falling away. And there are too many people who have lost their first love. And we need to look across and we need to say, God, we have sinned against you. We need to see our condition, and we need to make ourselves a part of it. I look at this in Daniel's prayer, and I see him interceding. But this is different than intercession, where there's an urgent situation. Daniel was urgent, but why was Daniel urgent, Brother Trevor? Why was he urgent? Because he saw the sin, and he said, I can't let it go on this way. We need the mercy of God. It wasn't God saying, Daniel, you need to be urgent. I got a big problem, and I'm asking you to be an intercessor right now. No, it was Daniel saying, you know what? I could be doing a lot of other things in this kingdom, but I see the condition of the people of God, and something has to change. We have sinned. We've sinned. And so he elevates God and he lowers himself. 
He examines himself and he realizes just because I was in, well, I've been a great Christian and I took a stand in Kingsway University, I've got to clean myself out because I've now discovered the condition in the word of the church or the people. And he begins to pray. But I thought on that a little further. Because God sent Jonah to Nineveh. And Nineveh wasn't a bunch of Israelites. He wasn't a bunch of Jewish people. And Jonah was, I say, the first worldwide evangelist. But what was Peter called when he said, Upon this rock I'll build my church? Barjona, son of Jonah. And what was Peter? The evangelist that took this gospel to the world. First to the Jews and to the Samaritans and then to the, the Gentiles. And Paul, what did Paul do? Well, we preached about it some time ago, but he went into Athens. And he talked to them about the unknown God who has been involved in your life all this time. You see, you don't just have a little monopoly on this. Because God has been reaching and seeking humanity that He made in the very beginning. And so if we would be willing to get down, not just for the church, but for the world, and say we've sinned God. We've been filled with ourselves. We've embraced money and, and promoting ourselves. And, and say, God, we are sorry for our sins. We've been consumed with gluttony and, and we've worried about our own personal appearance and, and, and we've warred and we've fought with each other and, and we've said it's got to be my way and, and we've had animosity and anger. If somebody would be willing to get down and say, God, we heard Your Word and You're full of mercy and grace, but we fell out from it. And why is there th uh, things happening in our world? Why is there disease? Why is there war and rumors of war? It's because of sin it's because of sin and we need to recognize that our world is being destroyed because of sin and sin needs to be repented of and we need to have the humility to do it and so Daniel he looks in the word and he says okay here's what the word says but here's where we're at and we need to change and it starts with repentance. And it starts with being broken. And so I'm going to do what it takes to be broken. Ah. But then what does he do? He goes back to the Word. And there's a couple places where he highlights this. He has a back and a forth here. And he talks about shame. He says, To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against Him. He goes down through the history and he talks about the law of Moses. But then he says, O oh Lord, according to all your righteousness. You know, I, all his righteousness, all the righteousness of God means that I'm going to come to him and ask him to do something for me. The righteous, I've sinned. I've come out from underneath the word. I've been in disobedience. And yet Daniel, now after he repents and goes through this, says, according to all your righteousness... I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away according to your righteousness. Oh, I, there's something exciting. God in His grandeur, in His holiness, and in His rightness, I come to Him and I say, according to who you are, in all your holiness, in all your righteousness, turn away your anger. Oh, why? Because God, He's complex God. 
He's a, God, he's a God that has to judge and dole out judgment and punishment. But He's also a God of love. He's also a God who, who called us. And He says, Be turned away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are reproached to all those around us. Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, hallelujah. He went right back to the word. He went right back to the identity of God. And he said, we've sinned. And so I need you to have mercy. We've sinned. And so I need your face to shine. I need you to look down. Oh God. And I need you to grace us with your presence. So when we look at Daniel's format for prayer, we see God elevated. We see Daniel acknowledging against the word. We see repentance. And then we see him go right back to the identity of God and say, because of your righteousness, I need you to shine. Because you said you, this was your, your city and this was your church, so I need you to shine. Oh, you know what we get to do? We get to go ahead and we get to take the word of God where, where, where God has warned us that He's going to destroy this earth and that judgment's going to fall. And we can say, God, judgment's going to fall because your people have sinned. God, judgment's going to come to pass because your people have sinned. But you are the God that, that said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You're the God that came and died on the cross because you wanted to save. You're the God that said, I'm long-suffering to us not willing that any should perish. And so we get to say, God, because of your mercy and your greatness and your righteousness, go ahead and shine on the city of Omaha. And as we repent for their sins, we are humbling ourselves, not just us, but we're humbling ourselves for this city. We're repenting. We're crying out. He says, your sanctuary which is desolate, oh my God, incline your ear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. And then he says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. I would like you to incorporate that verse into your prayer. I would like you to make it common in your prayer where you say, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, do. Do God. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, do. What are you saying? God, God hears you. I said earlier Daniel was interceding on the behalf of the people, not because God had brought him in, but you, how did Daniel really get here? Because he was in relationship with God, he had a hunger for God, and God was pulling on him and drawing him into the word. Daniel didn't end up there by his own stumbling ways. God led him there. And so when you say, oh God, hear, what you're saying is, God, I'm desperate for my situation. He says, okay, now I have your attention. I have your attention. Some of you have families. You have situations. You have jobs. You have some problem areas. Some of you know people who are emotionally a wreck, and they don't know how to even fight right. Their homes are a mess. And they have done a lot of things they shouldn't have done. But they're not evil people. 
They're messed up people. People who haven't been raised right, they haven't been taught right. They didn't have a parent that showed them the right way to do things, or even if they did, they, they went the wrong direction. And so do you just say, wow, glad I don't have that situation? Do you look over at their brokenness? They, they may be in the church with you. They may have experienced the greatness of God, but they have issues. Do you, do you look at them and say, oh, or can you stop and look at everything you've been through and realize your own mess-ups and your own problems? Many of you have testified across this pulpit about this. I'm not holding those testimonies over your head. No, what I'm saying is you've been there. And so can we come and can we say, God, here, God, forgive. We've sinned. Can you make somebody else's situation personally yours? And then can you do this wonderful thing that Daniel does when he goes into this dynamic? It's a beautiful relationship with God where he gets down and says, hey, God, hear me today. It's very familiar. And he's like, God, in your word, and hear us, God. And so if we could, everyone could close their eyes in this place. As I'm talking to you, can you begin to whisper to God? Can, can you link arm in arm in your prayer with somebody else when when nobody sees you in your private place, and can you do it with, with both within the church and with outside the church? And, and can you say, hey God, I, I just need some time with you. Lord, Your Word, it's very damning sometimes. It's, it, it, it pricks the heart. It brings us to a place, God, where we, we shouldn't have done these things and Lord, instead of ignoring prayer, I need to come to You in prayer because there's people who are rapidly going to hell and we've sinned against You and we're not in alignment, oh God, with Your Word. Lord Jesus, we need to be broken. Oh God, and we need Your forgiveness and we need Your mercies and we need Your light to shine in our world. Lord, bombs fall and chaos reigns and protests march down the street and neighbors are at each other and, and people are at each other, Lord. And, and relationships are broken because they don't know You and they haven't embraced Your truth and they just need a revelation of the Gospel. Oh, hear us, God. Forgive us, God. And in Your great mercies, Lord, Return and shine on Your people. Shine, Lord, and do a work. Do a work. Do not delay for Your own sake, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm done tonight, but can you incorporate in your prayer here, oh God, forgive. Because while I was praying from the very get-go, God saw your heart and he was running towards you. And he was going to use you. God bless you. We're going to have a baptism over here. I'm excited about that. But uh, if you wanna, some of you want to come and join us and rejoice what God's going to do. God bless you and We'll see you again on Sunday.